0: In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Contractor Evolution. This is Benji. Question for you. Have you ever wondered why the bookkeeping and accounting for your construction or trades business is so challenging? because there's a very real reason and it's not because you hated math in high school. A lot of it, as we're gonna explore today, has to do with the fact that your project life cycles and the cash inflows and outflows that happen therein don't follow the gridded and calendarized rhythms of accounting cycles. To put it another way, they march to the beat of different drummers and this can create all sorts of headaches and confusion when it comes to both your books and your bank account. My guest on the show today is Leroy Beebe, co-founder of Check the Level, an accounting software for general and specialty contractors that helps entrepreneurs master their pricing, their profits, and their cash flow. Growing up in a construction family and watching them struggle financially for most of his childhood, Leroy became inspired to fix the problem. He studied accounting at the University of Cape Town, got his MBA from the University of Toronto. He's worked for KPMG and other firms designing and implementing large and sophisticated financial controls, and he's parlayed all of this experience into the founding of Check the Level. You can check them out using the link in the description. What's unique about Leroy's perspective is that he has back-end access to the budgets, P&Ls, cash positions, and pricing systems of hundreds of contractors all over North America and is able to see large-scale patterns in a way that almost no one can Today's conversation is about the difference in habits and systems between the top 10% of his clients, the high performers versus the bottom, those financial freewheeler businesses and what that means heading into a changing market. He is very clear about what these at-risk companies look like internally. And I can't think of a better time than now to do a reality check with yourself. Uh, We also talk about why change orders are a luxury item and need to be billed accordingly. And lastly, we talk about why accounting is so freaking hard for our industry, but most importantly, what you can do about it. If you're watching on YouTube, okay, let us know in the comments section below. How affected will construction and trades be by a recession? Is it gonna be ugly or will we be relatively insulated from a lot of it? Let us know down there. Leroy is really, really smart guys, so listen up and let's dive in. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the
2: new breed of contractor from the old school. And welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting.
1: Leroy Beebe, how are you, man? I'm good, yourself, Benji. Uh, I'm doing very well. I'm gonna let's start with uh, an easy one. Why is accounting so freaking hard? In particular for the construction space, what is fundamental, fundamentally different about, about our industry that, that makes it so, so challenging?
2: Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's an easy one. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've looked at thousands of construction books. So like, you know, a lot of the, the financials, you know, we've worked with a lot of contractors uh, at check the level. And, um, you know, when I look at what makes this industry so challenging uh, from an accounting perspective, there's really two components to it. So the first component is really around the difference in the cash flow cycles from like a project perspective. So your, you know, your direct job costs and your sales versus your overhead. So a classic example of this would be, you know, let's just say you are a general contractor, you're doing a large job um, and it's delayed out by a month right? So what ends up happening is the the cash flow cycle for that specific job is now pushed out by an extra month, but your overhead as a business owner is still being incurred every month. So it doesn't matter whether your jobs are getting delayed or not, your overhead actually has to get paid at the end of the day. So when you're delayed out by a month, and you can't issue that invoice, effectively, you need to carry that cost of the overhead. um, Because it's, 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 it needs to be paid at the end of the day. Um, so that's that's the first component is understanding that there is a lot of unpredictable things that can happen on a job site, which ultimately results in your cash cycle from a project level, not matching your overhead, which puts a lot of constraints on your cash flow. And it's not so, just that you know, they
1: can happen. It's that, it's that they will happen. I mean, like you look yeah. at, if you, you want to go through the litany of things, uh, you've got weather you have supply chains that that could go sideways and over the last two years absolutely have you have trade partners that could be unreliable you have clients that could change their mind on things I mean that's just to name a few obvious ones it's a much longer list than that you know I say this all the time like one of my, my favorite Mike Tyson quote is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face like in construction you're absolutely gonna get punched on the face on nearly every job I don't know if it ever goes exactly the way you drew, you you drew it up on the whiteboard, and so these external variables, which, like you said, hugely affect the cash flow cycle, um, are basically guaranteed, and, and you will have to contend with them. And like you said so eloquently, your overhead really doesn't care; it, it those bills need to be paid either way.
2: Yeah, exactly. So you know when 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 you're looking at your performance you know in a business um you know looking at it on a per monthly basis actually skews your results quite significantly you want to almost be looking at it on a weekly or even even better a daily basis like looking at like okay what has been my average gross profit per day for the business as a whole and is that generating sufficient cash to cover my overhead right um it's 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 an interesting metric or key performance indicator to keep track of is like, what is your average gross profit every day? And how is that changing from one week to the next? Do you notice right? that owners get, um, do you notice that, that it, when, when that
1: gets calculated uh, and really focused on from the perspective of the entrepreneur, does it change per, change behavior in a healthy way? That average gross profit per day thing?
2: Yeah, no, it definitely does. I mean, you could go one step you know, back from that and the, the business owners that understand gross profit and have an accurate um, gross profit number. So this is gonna be a good segue into the second why, the reason why I think accounting is so hard for the construction industry is, but, but if a business owner in a construction business understands the importance of gross profit and how that number reflects the profit generated by your jobs to cover your overhead, That's a massive milestone to get to, right? Um, And that doesn't even require job costing. So this is like a low-hanging fruit thing that you can figure out as a business owner just to understand from a business perspective, right? Because, you know, job costing is, in my opinion, the silver bullet in this industry or the gold bullet. Like it can really, you know, help you improve your business significantly if you've got good job cost reporting. But it takes time to implement that. So, you know, a low-hanging fruit is to get good business level reporting that tells you like, hey, this is how much your production department has generated from a from a profit perspective and has that co- generated enough to cover your overhead. Um, so just the second one, which is my segue to this, is um, it's, it's just really how accounting has been done today, right? So when you look at probably 99% of accounting firms that or bookkeepers that you work with, what they're doing is they're prioritizing reporting to uh, tax entities, so like the IRS and the CRA, so that if you know, tax man comes knocking at your door, you can quickly pull a PML, profit and loss statement or a balance sheet, and show that to them and they understand how you are performing from a tax perspective. And it's important to understand how you are performing from a tax perspective. How the tax departments look at your business versus how a business should be looking at their business Um, are very different. And that's why, you know, you have management accounting and you have financial accounting. So financial accounting prioritizes reporting for those external bodies. So like, you know, uh, the tax department, banking institutions, those sort of things. Whereas your management accounting is very prioritized uh, for the business owner to make business decisions. Um, And when you look at the industry today as accountants, what we're doing is we're optimizing reporting for the tax department pushing the onus onto the business owner to understand that level of reporting so packaging four to five years of accounting knowledge into a little ball saying hey mr or mrs contractor here's what you need to know to understand your financials and then like quite frankly as a business owner you've got like you know more important things to deal with right so I was doing my accounting for four years at the University of Cape Town. I went to KPMG. I did a whole bunch of um, stuff to help me and be an expert in the space. And now the expectation from most accounting firms is you need to be at the same level while running and growing your current business, right? So, you know, there's th- that. That was one of the big insights that we ran into, and we started check the level. Was we were going to go, hey, like as an accounting firm, we understand the difference between management and financial accounting. And it's really easy for us to give you a set of financials that are based on management accounting so that you can make more informed business decisions and then adjust it to meet tax requirements. Like all accountants, well, good accounting firms have that ability, but they choose not to implement those processes because they don't have the business, the construction business's best interests at heart. They have the tax departments best interest at heart. They want to make sure that the reporting to the tax is easy, not, hey, how can we make sure that the business is operating uh, more importantly? Because at us, at level, at least, your business comes first, and tax is a second order problem. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about like, good and bad habits, I, I assume about, you know, yeah, yeah. a good contract bad contractor, we can dive into that a little bit later. But it's it's, it's an important to understand that um, there are these two levels of reporting and most accountants are going to come in and say, hey, this is financial reporting and I expect you to understand your balance sheet, your cash flow statement, your PL. and I can guarantee you that, you know, since most owners haven't gone to school for this stuff in four years of school, um, it just goes straight over their head. But, you know, at level, we've structured the reporting tailored to your needs, to your yeah. business needs. So that you know, does wonders to help you improve your business decision making? Well,
1: it's a very important point that I want to make sure we, it just is unbelievably clear to the listener. The reason that, you know, bookkeepers have kind of a lousy reputation in this industry Partly it's maybe some of them are genuinely incompetent and some are unprofessional and some don't have good habits. That's also true. But even the good ones, even the better ones, there's still this fundamental thing, which is they are essentially pushing for you to do compliance accounting. They want you to look at your business's numbers through a lens which make reporting to the government easier when in fact like in what you're saying is true that's secondary it matters but it's not more important than you like understanding your own business and its profit centers and where to invest in and what to cut it doesn't matter more than that and so you guys start with the lens that is let's look at this from a performance basis a management basis uh and then we'll figure out the compliance stuff later right am
2: i am i getting that right 100 yeah um Go ahead. Cool, yeah. So, like, some examples of this, right? Like, so if your bookkeeper or accounting firm isn't asking you what departments your employees fall within, so, like, what employees are field workers, what are production, um, yeah, you know, field or production employees, what are project managers, what are your office employees, who are the owners, that's, like, I can tell you instantly if, a, if, if your accountant or bookkeeper hasn't asked you that, there is a 99% chance that your gross profit number is overstated, right? Because the number one issue I see on most books is how payroll is handled in a construction business. Your field, everyone's payroll is like lumped together in one light item and treated as overhead, which is, is which it isn't. You wrong, right? Yeah. Like,
1: it isn't. Even even a bas- yeah. very very junior business owner would know. They'd be like, "There's just something intuitively wrong about this. Like that doesn't make sense. That I'm lumping my like my field labor in with my office manager. Like they do totally different things. One of them generates profit. One of them fully kind of feels a little bit more like a variable cost and drives GP. One of them feels just way more like overhead and it's fixed. And I I I gotta create profit to pay for them. So they to just lump them in altogether almost feels lazy to some degree." agree.
2: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and that's, that that's, that's what it's, what's happening is, you know, accountants are trying to like improve their margins as much as possible. So again, as long as the reporting is great for the tax department, why do I need to add more? Why do I need to go the extra mile, which is the, which is the consistent thought process for most accountants, right? Yeah. Let's, Uh, I want
1: to, I want to move into uh, these habits in a sec, uh, but just like Tell us a bit about what, we've kind of alluded to it a little, but just give us the quick rundown on who you guys are. What is Check the Level? Uh, what kind of markets do you serve? And just, uh, yeah, a bit of a rundown on that would be helpful.
2: Cool, so um, so Check the Level offers job costing and bookkeeping software and services to um, general and specialty contractors in the US and Canada. Um, Effectively, how the company got started was, you know, I come from a family of construction. My co-founder comes from a family of construction. Um, You know, growing up, I saw my parents consistently struggle with cash flow, and you know, they were rarely at the dinner table. And when they were, they would be fighting about money all the time. Um, And that really inspired me to lead a a, a career in business. So, you know, went to KPMG, did my articles. I went to the University of Toronto to do my MBA. Um, But one of the big things through this process that I identified was, um, you know, there's a statistic out there that says that nine out of 10 construction businesses fail within 10 years, right? So as a contractor, that's not a nice statistic to hear, right? Um, And when you look at the major reasons why that is happening, um, the first reason is just not charging enough, right? Contractors aren't charging enough to cover their overhead. They don't understand that. A financial component of running a business, and and, and and don't necessarily have the support to help them figure that out. Um, and the second one, which is even deadly for profitable companies, so companies that are pricing correctly, you know, getting profit in the end. At the end of the day, um, it's it's a it's cash flow planning. So financing job costs, right? So hey, you know, you're a contractor. You've been doing, you know, you've been managing one crew. You're like, cool. I'm hitting a good profit here. So you're going to grow your business. And so what you end up doing is you dial up your marketing, you take on more crew members, but don't realize that you're actually every job that you are doing requires that you put in your own money to get it to the finish line. So the way you've set up your payment schedules is in fact, resulting in you financing job costs. So the classic signs of this or symptoms, um, you know, chasing the next deposit to make payroll on the current job. Um, you know, not paying your taxes, that's a classic. So, getting the tax to finance these job costs, which is never a good idea, especially payroll tax. Um, and yeah, it's just a recipe for effectively going, hey, cool, I've got this great business model. Let me dial it up. But then you get 30 jobs all of a sudden. Each job requires 20, 30K of working capital or financing to get it to the finish line. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're in the hole for hundreds of thousands of dollars and you had no idea, right? Because that whole concept of cash and accrual-based accounting is quite it's quite complex, so- yeah, and
1: you, you end up bankrolling the entire construction. Like you, you are literally yeah. financing this whole thing inadvertently, whether you realize it or not. And that, that's that's uh, how you end up <clears throat> in big trouble. So even these businesses that have a good pricing system, they are they are profitable from a PNL perspective. Get into these huge cash holes that uh, become so deep that they can't get out of them, and that's actually the, the what topples them over in the end.
2: Yeah, this, and then they end up chasing the next line of credit or next loan. So, you know, when, when, when I looked at that, those two issues causing the problem, I was like, okay, well, good accounting and bookkeeping reporting can proactively manage both those issues. Um, and, you know, when we dived in deeper, you know, one of the things I couldn't find an answer to, which is just a simple question, right? Hey, we know that job cost financing is, is, a, is a massive epidemical problem in this industry. So why isn't there a solution today that can tell me, hey, like here's the life cycle of the job, when it started, when it ended, when did I start financing job costs and how much did I finance? Like when we started off this company, I couldn't find a solution to do, to, 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 to that answer. Yeah. So we effectively went and said, okay, well, we're going to build that ourselves. So, we built our own software um, to one, help highlight those issues. So, we call that um, graph the holy shit graph internally, uh, just because every time we show a, co- show a contractor, they're like, holy shit, like um, this is, I never could ever understand my yeah. uh, my project cash flow on this level before. So, they were actually giving you a cash flow cycle on a per project basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, the other reason was just, you know, I was just tired of seeing. Um, good businesses getting bad information from accountants because accountants were prioritizing the wrong reporting for them, right? Yeah. Um, so, no,
1: it's it's um, yeah. it's so good, man. It's it's. Um... I'm glad that you identified this as a need and have built what you have because it is uh, so painful. And I think it's un- it's it's on some level kind of unfair. It's like you are in many 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 ways running a good business, but just because of a you know a, a little bit uninformed going in, you end up um, not only being the the contractor building the job, but you're also the bank financing it. And there's only so long you can do that for before you get into seriously hot water. So I'm sure that those moments with the holy shit graph are a ton of fun for you and super rewarding and and uh, very insightful for the contractor. I'm always interested, Leroy, to have conversations with people that have broad aggregate, like accumulated perspective we're not going to like talk about individual companies or people or anything. We're going to talk about like, um, your accrued vantage point on this space, particularly on the books. Do you want to maybe just describe the, what perspective that access to the data set you have has given you?
2: Yeah, I'm happy to answer that. So like, yeah, you know, we've we've worked with a lot of we have a lot of contractors, right? Some are doing really well, some are doing okay, and then we have our top like 10%, right? When we when we look at our top 10% um, of contractors and you know the habits and how they approach their business, um, one thing they all have in common, and I'll be it'll be very hard pressed to find someone that's not in the top percent that doesn't have this habit is they prioritize financials, right? Yeah. The first thing they do is they go okay, I understand I'm running a business and I have all these processes and um, you know job sites to manage and people to manage, but I need a system to keep track of like my score, like how well am I doing uh, and where am I losing money and where am, where are the opportunities to make money? Now, if you don't have accurate and timely financials to, 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 to be able to review that, you, you, you'll you always be one step behind. So if your financials are done once a year at tax time, you'll always be a year behind on like where you could effectively be. So all owners are consistently pedantic and thorough when it comes to their numbers and they prioritize it. And that doesn't mean doing their bookkeeping themselves. So this is the second part. They know what they're good at and they stay in their lane. So they go, okay, bookkeeping is not something I want to be doing, but I want to delegate it out to someone that I can rely on that has good bookkeeping. And they understand that the bookkeeping for their industry is very difficult. Um, And they also understand their own limitations, which is, you know. I'm not going to go get an, a CPA degree while I'm running my construction business. I'm rather going to hire yeah. someone who has that and, and then um, have them do the books. And all I will do is analyze the reports and ask and them run my business, about.
1: do what I'm really good at. So before we die, like, like, let's move into some of these habits, but I'll just maybe anchor this for the listener. Like I, I want to make this a really timely conversation. Um, out there in the news cycle, which granted is designed to scare you and activate a certain fear center in your brain. So it's important to take everything you see with a grain of salt, practice optimism, have some faith, but let's be real. There's some there's some cause for concern. People might feel nervous by what they're seeing out there in the market. You have uh, inflation, which seems to be out of control. I think the last time I checked in the US, it was stuck at 8.2, the CPI. I was um, something similar here in Canada, it's being really stubborn. We're increasing interest rates as a result, slowing down new construction a little bit, slowing down real estate a little bit. The stocks are a little going sideways right now. Um, you would be totally naive not to admit that we could be entering into some challenging market conditions here. I'm not an economist, I'm not saying we will, but we could be. So that said, what we're going to go through here with with Leroy is sort of like the profile, the habits, the traits of businesses and entrepreneurs in particular that would we say like you're really not worried about. These are like high performers and they will be okay no matter what comes. Come hell or high water, they're they're, they're going to survive and probably thrive beyond. And that's kind of how I want you, the listener, to maybe Anchor this, like that's that's what we're gonna talk about from a from a positive perspective. Like, hey, this is this is the makeup of of uh, really really healthy businesses that are gonna get through whatever happens just fine. And then I think we'll we'll shift the conversation a little later on to uh, maybe discuss those at risk companies that you can see um, as well. So I just wanted to set that up for the listener. Let's dive into some of these some of these points that you see in that top ten percent.
2: Cool, We're happy, happy to help with this. So, like the first one is um, top ten percent performance. Separate their business from their personal life, right? So, a good step forward in that is incorporating a company, uh, or at least setting up some sort of entity that has uh, protection as a business owner from the business. So, keeping your personal assets separate from your business assets. Um, now, that goes a step further and says um, you're not commingling expenses. So. Um, the ones that are you know using their personal credit card for the business and syncing that to QuickBooks Online, um, that is a recipe for disaster and you are going to get a massive tax surprise at year end because of that. So the first habit, again, is separating your business from your uh, personal life. Are
1: right. you kind of anal about that? Like, are you like really strict? Like, what if someone's like, "Ah, I was in a pinch. I forgot my card." Like, like what's you know what about those those one-off situations? Like we, you know, you got to be careful with how many excuses you make. But every once in a while, you kind of get stuck and you need to do something you know you shouldn't.
2: Yeah. So yeah, reimbursements are fine. Once off are fine. Like like you know, once a month, that's totally fine. Um, but if you're you know running all your habitually doing this, that's bad. Yeah. You know, like. It's hard as a bookkeeper to know what's a personal and what's a, what's a um, you know, actual business expense. And then, you know, your code, like we have to get that information from you. So you have to spend time deciphering that. Um, and now you're putting time into the back office unbillable time when you could be working on much larger things in the organization. So again, separating the two is incredibly important to optimize your back office and make sure that you're maximizing your time on building your business, not you know, just back or office. Hey, what does this expense belong to? Is it personal or is it a business expense? Mm-hmm. Right. What else? So the second one is a lot of our clients are dialing into their sales processes, understanding what is a good customer, one, and how to get them, two, and three, setting up your contracts with the owner to protect the business. So having a, a formalized contract in place which covers situations where there are delayed payments or the customer hasn't paid you and, and setting up good payment schedules to ensure that the, the power of the, the the cash isn't sitting in the uh, owner's hands. There's a lot of psychology. There's a lot that we can talk about here, but the, 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 the key point I wanna get here is if you're a contractor doing a 50% deposit upfront and then a 50% at, at the end, what you're effectively giving the customer is the ability to get really minute about all the issues at the end of the job and delay that payment. So now again, we're getting into the situation which we talked about earlier is your cycle, your cash flow cycle on your project is getting pushed out and you aren't having sufficient funds to cover your overhead. So I always like to recommend to clients is like, okay, if you're gonna do a final payment, make that your net profit goal. So if you're aiming for 15 to 20% net profit, make that your final payment because at the very least, if that customer delays a payment, you have sufficient cash to cover your overhead. You have sufficient cash to keep the lights on. Um, so our, our clients that are doing really well are, are laser focused on cash flow, laser focused on their contracts. And the other topic is change orders. Um, our, our top ten percent actually charge a higher markup on change orders, right? And the reason is, is because change orders or it's a premium on-demand service. If I order something from Uber Eats and I want it delivered in 15 minutes or an hour, I have to pay a premium to have it de- delivered in 15 minutes. So when you're on a job site and a homeowner says, hey, I actually wanna change the job in this way, that's an on-demand service, that has to be done now. It's not like you can go, oh, I'll come back after the whole job site's done and, 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 and finish this later, rarely is that the case. So again, you need to charge a higher premium on those, and then, The other side to this is um, you're also creating uh, incentive structures for your team to identify out of scope work. So, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you've got got a guy on site, he does work that's out of scope, doesn't tell you about it, now you've just lost revenue, right? So what you want to do is actually create an incentive plan for your team to highlight out of scope work so that they come to you and say, hey, here's something that happened, and now you can start to structure incentive plans around that because you have the markup to do so.
1: You're bonusing people to keep a very, very trained eye for those out-of-scope items so that they can be captured and billed effectively. And not only that, what you just said is change orders are a premium service. Therefore, they need to be charged out at a higher rate than your than your original estimate was like, you know, whatever – not to oversimplify, but you make the case that the markup that you add to your change order needs to be a few percentage points or many percentage points higher than the markup that you do for that original estimate because it's done on the fly, because it's a luxury, and because it actually is quite, um, uh, y- y- you as a business owner, it's not its not necessarily that easy for you every time to facilitate the change order. That needs to be charged out at a little bit more of a luxury price. That's what you're saying. Okay. What yeah, percentage exactly. of contractors know that or or are doing that? I mean, do you see that commonly or is this a bit of like a a little bit of a secret hack
2: that, that only the high performers know? Yeah, I, I think it's a secret hack that um the high performers mostly know. And I you know, this this sales is is there's a lot of psychology that goes behind an emotion that goes behind a sale, right? These are big budgets. They're dealing with customers that, you know, can be pretty uh difficult at times. Sure. But When you have a good grasp on your numbers and you know the impact from a cash perspective of what's happening in these change orders or the way that you've set up your payment schedules, those sales calls become unemotional from your perspective because you know, oh, if I drop this, these many points or if I push out the payment this many days, this is what it's going to do to my business in the long run. So again, it's just your numbers don't lie, right? Like if they're accurate, of course. Um, So having that as a, as a, as a tool in your back pocket during a sales call is does incredible wonders for you when you know the number that you need to hit to make the business work right because if you're shooting in the dark and going off gut feeling that's going to keep you up at night right yeah
1: yeah i um and then going back to the contract thing uh you rattled off like the example of 50% up front 50% at the end the the practical step there that you're advising is essentially to front end load that contract a little bit more right
2: yeah, exactly. Okay. So
1: don't, don't leave this massive gaping, you know, final payment at the end, which essentially incentivizes the customer to, to nitpick over stuff a little bit more than a small payment would. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Super simple. Like yeah. this
1: is not like rocket science, just like yeah. get, get more money earlier and put that right yeah. in your contract. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. What are, what are some of the other main, what are some of the main bullet points here that you see with, with high performers?
2: Yeah. So, uh, the other side to this is that they get their team involved, especially in like the performance of the jobs, like how profitable the jobs are. Um, you know, One of the the exciting things that we never planned for you here at Level, uh, but was sort of a big insight was a lot of our reporting is graphical. So when you, like our job costing reporting in particular is graphical, we'll show you your accumulated pro- profit on a timeline in a job. So you're seeing like, hey, like this is how your, your profit on a job's working. So as a team member who doesn't have any background in accounting or understanding numbers, most people understand graphs and when it goes under under zero that's a problem so again it's getting your team bought into like seeing how their efforts are implicating the profitability of the business right and they don't need to know your overhead and their profit goals but you know the gross profit is is, is quite important especially for your you know your supervisor or management team getting them involved in that process is quite important um especially well among our top performers it is um the other side to this is a lot of our clients, our top performers actually have a cash reserve account. So it's they have an account on, on the side, like they're taking about like anywhere up to 5% of their sales. And they're putting it in this cash flow reserve account for the downturns that happen or for those unforeseen things that can happen on a job site, right? So if overhead is, so if a job is delayed by a month, you still have cash on hand to actually cover that overhead to keep the lights on. What's, right? a healthy, so what I- what's a healthy? What's a healthy? What's a healthy target? I, you,
1: I don't know if you mentioned. Uh, I, I thought I heard you say it's like five percent of overall revenue. Is that is that the number? Is it ten percent? Like, and uh, like obviously like this is a challenge. I'm not saying this is easy to all of a sudden come up with like this huge cash account, but it's it's good to give people benchmarks or goals to shoot for. What do you consider is a healthy percentage of? Let's say net annual, like just total gross revenue uh, annually, that someone should have stored away in a separate cash account.
2: Yeah, about five percent, up to five percent, you, you, you'll you'll cover most situations. And then again, if that balance is growing and you've got more cash at the end of the year, you can issue that out as a bonus or as a dividend, whatever you want to do. With what it, if but- you do?
1: What if you're a company that like maybe you do commercial work where you're getting get you're getting paid like you know net net sixty net ninety like and beyond like sometimes beyond, unfortunately. Um, like, and you carry, like, massive AR, uh, just, w- like, a, a big AR um, responsibility is, is you're basically bearing the burden of that as an organization. Would you say that number should be higher?
2: Um, yeah, well, 5%, or at least have a, a strategy. So commercial is an interesting beast because it's got holdbacks. It's got, um, again, mm-hmm. there's, 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 there's a lot more cash flow constraints in a, in a commercial environment. So do you understand if you're in a commercial, uh, if you are a commercial contractor um, that... Going into that game, you almost need more cash on hand up front to finance these job costs, just because um, you know it's more commo- commodity-based, right? Like it's it's bidding, there's set budgets in these large jobs, and you can't really wiggle, there's a little wiggle room on the pricing. Yeah. Um, so in those cases, um, maybe it's ten percent. Yeah. Our other top performers are what they're doing is 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 diversifying your portfolio, right? So having a department that's a cash cow and having so that's typically just your straight service maintenance department um, and then having your larger, you know, you know, renovations or remodels department. But having having a department that is cash flow friendly is really important. And I, I know as contractors we well as the contractors we work with, they always want to bigger is better, right? Like I wanna move from like thirty thousand yeah, dollar jobs to, yeah. you know, a hundred thousand million dollar jobs. Um, what you've got to understand is like when you move from like a like a fifteen thousand dollar job to even like a hundred or two 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 three three hundred thousand job dollar job. There's a lot more things that can go wrong in a larger job. Your timelines are longer. There's more people involved. More things can go unforeseen. And most of our clients that go through that experience come out the other end like wow that was the best worst thing that I've ever had to deal with. Um, and they want to get more into it, but they don't understand that every lesson you learn there's there's a dollar uh, a value associated with that. So if you put all your eggs in one basket and go, hey, I'm only going to do with large jobs, and those those jobs don't work out as planned, and I can p- probably guarantee you they won't, especially if it's the first time you're getting in that job, you're going to run into cash flow problems because those large, large jobs are going to get delayed. You're not going to get the payments you need to make your overhead, and it's just a recipe for, for finding yourself in a hole. So again, yeah. understanding you know, what are your most profitable jobs, what are your best cash flow healthy jobs and then you know being strategic about like if i am going to open another department and it's going to put constraints on my cash flow or anything like that um you have something that at the very least, can keep the lights on in the company while you experiment on these uh, these new service offerings.
1: Yeah, and can you maybe expand a little bit more on the leaders you see who do a great job bringing the team into this gross profit metric? You mentioned that uh, you guys from, a ver- from your very early days decided to make the uh, that gross profit uh, metric very visual using graphs and displays so that it's a little bit... You know, <laughs> Arrow going up and to the right is good. (laughs) Down, bad. You know, like uh, that's a little bit easier to extract information and meaning from than, say, a complex table or spreadsheet. So I totally get why you guys did that. But then from there what do really high performance leaders do to get the team involved in a hands-on capacity to drive that? Is it, is it compensation and incentives? Is it little competitions? Is just showing them the scoreboard enough? Like how do we make the team actually want to contribute more to that all important metric?
2: Oh, um, that's great. So, Um, The the other thing that I really like about this graph, just to give context before I answer that question, um, is that it's it's almost daily reporting, right? So we we show you your accumulated cash profit on a timeline. So like from the start to the end of the job. So if your job does span over multiple days, you can look at a specific date and go, okay, like, well, this is when demolition was happening. And like, what the hell happened here? Like we went way into the red here. So now now you can get um, visibility on like which phases of the job are, are doing well, which ones aren't. So now your your team who's responsible but for, for those different phases become more accountable. And mm-hmm. um, the other side to this is yeah, definitely incentive plans. We're seeing a lot more interest from our clients wanting to pay their um, employees gross profit commissions, nice. um, but you need incredibly accurate job costing data. So this is this is an advanced technique that has to happen later. And there's a lot of work that gets into it, but we're seeing a lot of interest around that topic. and. Um, yeah, it's it's a great plan, but you've got to have awesome- Airtight, uh, airtight. airtight, yeah.
1: Cause if, because if there's any room for discretion, you inevitably are going to be paying out bonuses to people that you're not really sure if they did it. They're going to exactly. win on that argument, I can almost guarantee. Um, that's a really great point. Uh, any, any other final points? Are they, I, we've, I feel like we've covered most of them, but just like thinking about the business owners who you are not at all worried about going into potentially a challenging market,
2: anything else that they excel at? Yeah. Um, the other one is tracking billable versus non-billable time. And this is this is a really important topic that I don't see a lot of people talking about. And quite frankly, the tools today uh, available to contractors don't really highlight this re- in, in a good way. So what we're seeing a, a, a lot of our clients doing is saying, OK, you know, I've got this great team. I understand a labor shortage problem is coming in the future. Um, so what I want to do is, you know, effectively have planned inefficiency for this employee so during a quiet time take twice as long as you normally would on this job so that i can just keep you on payroll and um you know have you work for me continually as opposed to leaving me and there's a risk of you never coming back right so what you've got to understand is when when you do planned inefficiency or there is unbillable time in a, in, in a construction environment that is overhead right when that is those are hours that your team is working that um could effectively be used to uh, generate revenue for the business. So understanding how your team is spending their time from a billable versus non-billable time uh, perspective uh, is incredibly important, right? Like um, it's insane to see like, you know, like our clients, some of our clients are like, hey, like, you know, June was a terrible month. Like what happened? We pull up the billable versus non-billable report and we're like, well, you just sunk like $300 or whatever this month in training, uh, or my, my favorite um, is uh, I got them to work on a personal job of mine at the house, like, right, right. <laughs> like if if you don't have a good cash reserve to actually float that, and um, that is also one of the biggest ways to find yourself in a hole, um, because technically those hours that they're working aren't tax deductible; they're they're a dividend. So you're increasing your personal liability, increasing the liability of the business, and. It might seem like a good idea right at the front, but it, it actually is really bad. So like if you You'd are going to say do cat-
1: that- sorry, sorry, go go ahead, Lee, right? I mean to interrupt you.
2: Yeah. If 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 you are going to get your guys to work on some stuff in your house from a personal perspective, just pay them the break even price at the very least. Pay the business what the break even number is and you can avoid all this all the tax issues that come up, right? Um it's it's and why I'm so like really hitting the nail on this point is unbillable time is like a wrecking ball. Like quite literally, if you aren't watching that and all of a sudden in one month you have a high unbillable hour, man, that can just instantly put you in the hole. Like we've seen it time and time again where um, even your cost plus contractors who don't even track that stuff properly. It's just, it's, it can really damage your business and put you in a bad, bad spot. So, um, our, our our top performers are like again. Not only are they thorough from like a numerical standpoint, but they're like like a dollar value standpoint. But they're they're also uh, really pedantic when it comes to like how much is my time, how much, you know, like how how is my team spending their, their time and is that efficient, um, and like what impact is that having um, on on my bottom line? When you look,
1: we've gone through so many great points there. When you look at the businesses. Um who have a lot of this stuff in place, you know, what becomes available to these entrepreneurs when they enter an environment where they do need to navigate a downturn, a meltdown, (laughs) a bad quarter, a bad year, a bad two? uh, What is available to them by having a lot of this infrastructure
2: and these habits in place? Oh yeah, I mean, they're they're sleeping well at nights at the end of the day, because they know, hey, like, you know, general rule of thumb, the economy will always go down into an out, a downturn every 10 years, right? I think that's the statistics. Statistic yeah, we're, we're actually years. late.
1: We're late. We're due. Yeah, Overdue. Yeah.
2: Um, so, again, um, you know, the contractors that know that are planning for it already, right? So it's about having that cash reserve, you know, available in case there is a downturn, uh, having a good set of customers or a way to attract a lot of good customers, having airtight contracts, um, you know. An awesome team that's bought into your company, and um, yeah, and then finally just understanding how people are spending their time because every hour is is, is an opportunity for your business to make money, and if you're not, you, you know, tracking that, uh, you can quite quickly uh, find yourself in 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 the hole.
1: Let's switch gears here. Tell me about (laughs) the profile of an at-risk company. This is like maybe, I don't know if it's the bottom 10% or what, but like, again, you have access to a pretty broad perspective. Like what do the habits and traits look like of entrepreneurs and businesses that, you know, from your perspective, you're like, ugh, a little worried about these guys because things could get tough here.
2: That's great. That's a good question. Um, So the first one is just not prioritizing financials. And like, I understand, you know, we've worked, I've worked with so many contractors. This isn't your wheelhouse. Like, you know, when a client comes to me and says, you know, they feel self-conscious with every question they ask me. And I'm like, Hey man, like, you know, I, I literally pause the call in that situation. I go, look, there is no wrong question here. I'm here to support you in helping you understand your numbers. I went to school for five years, you didn't. So any question is not a stupid question. So again, I just wanted to preface that in that, yes, you might not be prioritizing financials because you feel self-conscious about them. I, I fully understand that, but you you need to get to grasp of that. Like, you know, being a business owner is living in the uncomfort zone, right? Like that's how you grow. You do something you have no idea how to do, but the trick is finding the shortcuts, finding the experts that can help you get to the point where you want to um, without having to slog through it. Um, yeah. so again, prioritizing your financials. If you're not doing that, um, you're not setting a scoreboard or a foundation for you to be able to track how your efforts in the business are uh, in, resulting in profits at the end of the day, right? Like how you're performing. Um, the second one is like the commingling of expenses. So not separating those personal versus the, the business expenses. Um, that can quite, Quickly uh, create massive tax liabilities and a big strain on your back office. Um, third, uh, you know, not prioritizing paying your taxes, and um, so you know, a lot of our worst performers just want to push out the taxes as much as possible. Mm. It's a necessary evil. You just need to get that done. Um, mm-hmm. And if you can get into a point where you're consistently paying your taxes, you'll be in a much better mental health space. Your right. business will be in a much better space. Um, so there's that. And then the other side to this is. Um, don't prioritize taxes. A lot of clients go, like, I want to you know, they come to us and they say, Hey, like, I want tax planning. I want to know how to save money on taxes. And we're like, Okay, well, can you tell me what your profit was last month? And they're like, uh, Let me speak to my bookkeeper. And they end up having the cheapest bookkeeper. And they're like, Oh, no, my bookkeeper. So then I don't hear from them for a month or two. Then I get back to, I hear back from them and they go, Yeah, my, my, my bookkeeper finally emailed me and they said they'll have the financials ready for you in three, four weeks. No, three, four months. And like, it's like, what? You can't even give me a set of financials like for the last six months in this meeting. And it's like, you know, like that's, you need to be able to pull that information in a reasonably timely way. And the best way is to, you know, have it monthly. And then if you're not reviewing those numbers monthly and reviewing them against your targets, so not setting targets for your business, that's also an indicator of like a poor performing or that you are going to be heading into into trouble. Yeah, Just, not adopting technology, trying to do everything manually, like you're going to be left in the in the in the dust, right? Like, I I'm a big believer of you know, there's a lot you can do to automate your back office, right? It's an it's an it's it's really important. It's not a sexy side of the business. Uh, well, it is sexy to me because I'm an accountant and I love analyzing things. Um, I want to part of this business, but for most people, it's not, right? Um, so understanding that um, your your bookkeeper and your accountant should be helping you reduce the friction involved in that process it can do wonderful things to help just make sure that you're spending all your time on sales and operations or whatever you want to be spending your time on maybe you don't even want to work you want to work four hours a day and that's it so some of our top performers Mm -hmm. only work four hours a day and they've got you know they're managing like 60 percent margins it's 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 you know you can build those out if you want it just depends what your values are
1: to, to what degree does do the low performers understand their overhead
2: yeah um so yeah, that's, that goes way over their head. And I, like, I'm not sure sometimes I wonder, is it, is it just because, um, you know, again, is it not your wheelhouse? You've been taught something that, you know, like you've been informed by accountants how to do something um, and it doesn't make sense. Or again, you're just not prioritizing it. Uh, for the most part, most contractors don't understand their overhead. And, you know, when we get in there and we look at the last three months, that's always a big light bulb. Because like one of the things we we do with our clients when we when we sit down with them to review their financials is we tell you what your overhead is and what direction it's trending. So it's like, hey, your overhead is $50,000 a a month and you need to generate gross profit to cover that. So it's not, hey, you need to generate sales to cover that. It's $50,000. It's gross profit, right? So a lot of people, um, that's the other thing is the guys that don't um, do well, they don't understand their terms, the basic terms in, in financial. They don't take time to understand that. Like, the classic is the markup versus margin right so markup is cost of sales divided by i mean sorry gross profit divided by cost of sales and uh margin is gross profit divided by sales they're just different um ratios right uh, they're not the same thing uh, and your margin is always lower than your markup so just be mind that that has quite a significant impact on your um pricing methodology another one um is you know you, this one really upsets me uh because it's 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 just so easy it's, it's something could quite you know you overlook it but it's like a split second decision you don't and there's nothing there to really there's no process to double check it which is okay you've priced a job and have you looked at the overall markup so a classic is like if you're using Builder trend and you're using different markups on different line items in your estimate and you're and you're not looking at like what the overall markup is you know that's a problem because you need to maintain a specific level of markup to cover your overhead right um so again, like not looking at the big picture of the job, getting really nitty gritty and making split second decisions around pricing because uh, that can really cause a lot of challenges. Um, the other issues, um, classic, trying to search for the cheapest bookkeeper, right? Mm. paying your bookkeeper $15 to $20 an hour, expecting them to tell you like how to price and what your overhead is. It's just, it's not gonna work. You get what you
1: pay for in that category. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Sorry, just say it again. I said you get what you pay for in that category. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, um, you you really don't need a, a discount bargain bookie for you. You want to spend almost as much as you can. I mean, you don't want to overspend, but you, you this is this is not an area to cheap out in your business.
2: Yeah, and 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 the other side to this is you want to. Uh, In all honesty, you want, as a as a construction business, you'd require more support than most other businesses, right? Like, you know, especially in the blue-collar industry as a whole, because you don't get formally educated on this topic. You want your accountant to provide you the support to be able to help you understand these numbers, and you need to pay for that, right? Like that level of support, that level of expertise is something that is incredibly important to you as a business owner, because you have to understand it. It's the foundation of your your entire operation is your accounting software. because at the end of the day, you need to know how profitable you are. Um, you know, you want to make sure you've got someone that you can rely on with regards to that that that's that you know topic.
1: Anything else you can see, we can slide into the at risk
2: category. Yeah, paying cash, so like getting cash jobs. Um, you know, not paying like not paying yourself a consistent salary, or taking owner's draws as a primary form of income. At the end of the day, we should all be aiming to get paid ourselves as a salary as an owner, right? Like there are some benefits to taking out a draw. This is, a, you know, this is at least my opinion on it. But, you know, at some degree, we want to get a consistent salary because there's benefits to that. It's like So the one thing people don't realize is like if you pay yourself a dividend or a draw uh, out of your business and you go try to get a mortgage, a personal lo- line, a loan, they don't recognize that as a salary. They don't recognize that as income. So from their perspective, you don't have a sustainable source of income to help you get. Um, provide security over this mortgage bond. So you most likely won't get that debt if you want. So again, we need to, we need to, um, be able to, um, Pay ourselves a consistent salary to get to that point.
1: I have tons of friends that have that have learned that lesson the hard way. Who are actually making tons of money, but not enough of it is, is on paper. And when it comes time to buy their buy a home or or uh, buy an office or shop for their business, they are they're basically unlendable, uh, despite actually being pretty healthy financially. There's there's cash in the bank, but on, on paper it doesn't look the way the bank. Needs it to look so. Let's let's kind of like let's bring this in for a landing here. I think this is just a really really interesting conversation. I the reason I wanted to have you on to talk about this stuff like top ten percent, bottom bottom ten percent, who are you not worried about? Who are you super worried about? Is I think this is just like a timely gut check. And so if you're listening to this, um, and and been paying attention to what what Leroy's been saying, like be real, ask yourself a question: where where am I on that spectrum? Um. And honesty is the best policy here. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, when it comes to financials, I think because of what you mentioned, stigma around this, we maybe feel insecure about not knowing as much as we think we should. Uh, your perspective on it is like, hey, why? How? How could you? Why? Why would you know all this stuff? You haven't been to the school the way that the way that you have been. Um, don't be an ostrich and stick your head in the sand. If this market gets a little tense, gets a little. Uh, it gets a little leaner. Um, be, being upfront and realistic with yourself about where you're at, and then making improvements from there, is probably the best thing that you can do for yourself. Uh, Leroy, let's we're we're almost at a time here, but just let, let for our listeners that have been following along, like just what makes Check the Level unique? How can people find out more about you and your service? Cool.
2: Yeah. Um, so what makes us unique is uh, again, it's that job costing and uh, bookkeeping service and software exclusive to contractors. And like we work with clients that use both the trend Co-Construct. So with most tech stacks, we actually work. What we do effectively really well is um, keeping your costs organized, so cost management. That's what our platform is, is designed to do. And then streamline communication between an external accounting firm and uh, uh, another uh, business so that the job costing can happen almost in a Amazon experience, right? Like you click subscribe or buy and it's off the shelf and it's yours. That's what we're trying to, to, to bring to you. And just some of the core values at level. So data quality is incredibly important to us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, ensuring, you know, we have fractional CFO services, we have fractional financial controller services, or we have, you know, basic bookkeeping in our software. But at the end of the day, when we provide you advice, we wanna make sure that the data that we're using to make those decisions are accurate. So data quality is one of the you know most important things uh, at our company. The other one is customer service. So we guarantee anywhere between a three to five business day return, like uh, communication timeline. So if you send us an email or a call or whatever the case may be, we guarantee that we'll respond within three to five business days. Um, so that's, that's the core value. I'll, I'll check the level. And again, uh, we offer software and job costing, but our bookkeeping, we don't, we mandate job costing. So if you want to work with us, we'll do your bookkeeping and job costing for you. And I'm a big believer that job costing is an accountant's problem, right? If your accounting department isn't taking ownership of implementing a job costing system, you're set up to fail because it requires internal financial control, systems, policies, procedures, to ensure that that data is being captured accurately and reliably and You know again like i went to school i went to kpmg i've designed systems for companies before that is not something that you can just figure out on your own in a short amount of time you can figure it out yourself but you're going to spend probably millions of dollars a lot of hours trying to retrofit all these pieces of technology systems policies in place to get reliable job costing whereas you could just come to us and it's off the shelf and it's done right so totally it, yeah
1: you, you could spend all that time and money
2: and it still
1: might be full of holes where can um, where should people connect with you Is there website LinkedIn social media like where, where if where's the best place for people to to find you and, and your whole team
2: yeah check the com so um, you can visit there you can book a call you can email us or send a send a you know like a, a form submission through there we also have a Facebook group called uh, Job costing and bookkeeping for contractors only. So again, if you search that in uh, Facebook, it's a it's a free group community to join. Uh, we have a ton of resources in there around like job costing, labor burden calculations, uh, you, you name it. And we have got a great community of contractors in there as well. So that's another way you can get hold of us. Uh, otherwise, just shoot me a message on LinkedIn, um, and you know I, I'm pretty responsive when it comes to that.
1: That's fantastic, man. I want to thank you for your time today and sharing all this wisdom. Uh, We'll we'll leave it at that for now, but we'll have to have you back in the future because you're a wealth of knowledge. Uh, Thanks for
2: being here. No worries, Benji. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.